we've spoken about perspectives and research, mostly from the from the angle of thinking about design and thinking about paradigms. And while those are absolutely important, because I think that they reveal who we are as researchers. Um, and I can't stress that enough, in fact, that, that we know who we are as researchers. Because being a critical researcher is not just what you do in research or being an interpretivist researcher or being a, a, a positivist researcher. Whichever, whichever perspective you come at research from is not just like a, a, a piece of clothing that you put on and then you take off or a cap that you wear. It very much is who you are as a person. And the more research you do, the more obvious it becomes how deeply ingrained the, that position is to, to who you are. But really accepting and acknowledging that about yourself is some of the early work of becoming a researcher um, that that you're wanting to understand certain kinds of positions about the world and it's to the point where if you look at a person you can almost tell from their embodied characteristics where they are more aligned obviously it doesn't it's not a perfect science but you can you can almost see how people wear this on their bodies um and and i want you to really think this through because it's going to shape more than just your research it's going to actually shape your engagements with the world outside of it there's this kind of sense that you can't really turn off this kind of way of thinking about the world. And particularly for those of us who are interested in, in critical research, and, and I say that, and you can maybe notice the little bias in my, my perspective towards critical research. Um, but you start to take those beliefs and, and understandings about the world into the world. So when I'm at family functions and people are being racist assholes, which, you know, has been my entire life, um, I, I can't just sit there and do nothing. Like, that's not something that, that you know, sits with the other beliefs that I have. Um, I can't read or watch movies that, that show gender-based violence um, without interrogating what that's about and what what that does in the world and that kind of reaction towards a particular perspective is not just showing me where I need to be doing work it does that and so paying attention to that is is critical but it also is shaped by the work that I'm doing. So the, the research that you're doing is actually also going to change you into this way of being in the world that is going to be different. So taking a perspective comes with certain kinds of consequences. Um, so it, it, it's the outcome of, of, of your life and it has, the, has consequences into what you then are doing. And... In some cases, those can be good. That's, that, those can be the, the entire point of doing the research, that you want that impact. But in other cases, it can be this kind of sense that that, that knowledge, you know, like is with you now. So you have to, have to do something with it. So it's, it's, it's equally a, a pleasure and a responsibility. And I'm not sure why I'm going into so much detail about that, except that I think that I want you to to think of your research not as just a thing that you, you do, but a thing that you are. Um, 
and the ways that, that you are embedded in the processes. Um, but So that's the angle that we've come at the research so far, is thinking about the perspectives that we take, thinking about the perspectives that, that are emerging from, from our understandings of the world and that then impact the world that we're, we're looking at. But we also want to think about uh, the, the role of theory. And theory is what drives any good research project. And so this is what, theory is what makes that perspective that you're taking on, on research, that kind of position that you are uniquely uh, attracted to and working within, um, and it makes it into research. Without theory, there is no research. Um, that that the, the project that you envisage, whatever it may be, working with journalists or working with students, working with, um, uh, I don't know, with text, whatever project you imagine will only just be a a sort of self-congratulatory, opinion-based, um, yeah, like a, a navel-gazing kind of approach if there's no theory involved. So it just becomes about reinforcing what you know if you're not building or testing on theory. Now, we've spoken already about the fact that some kinds of research are connected to theory in different kinds of ways, but we're not really in those disciplines. So it's not for us to really be too concerned about the, the versions of how research might be theoretical. I think that for the most part, whether we're doing a qualitative or a quantitative project, whether we are, are a positivist, an interpretivist, or a critical social scientist, that we're all going to be working with theory. And so I want to, to um, start to engage with what is the role of theory in research. I'm just going to start to share um, some slides. So the questions that you should maybe be asking yourself um, already, right from the, from the get-go, is... What theories are most prevalent in the field that you're working in? And what paradigms do they reveal? What paradigms do they prescribe to? What kinds of perspectives do they tend to take on an understanding of the issues that we're looking at? So when we think primarily of media theories, um, those are usually going to be sitting somewhere in the interpretivist paradigm, that they're usually about the ways that people act or engage with the world and that they are showing about uh, stuff around cultural meaning, around um, certain kinds of collective issues, social issues, um, that primarily would fall into an interpretivist uh, approach. But there are other theories that might take um, more of a, a critical approach. So anything that looks at um, issues of power, issues of, of racism, sexism, uh, other kinds of, uh, of isms, your ableism, your uh, ageism, uh, etc., right, classism. So all of those kinds of things might start to push us into more of a critical perspective, especially when they're also coupled with engagements uh, with, as I said, uh, power and privilege, with um, ideology, with big social structures like um, capitalism and uh, pa uh, sorry, patriarchy. And those kinds of things start to, to take us into a critical space and most, especially if they're also looking at language. And language in this case is not language like English, Afrikaans, Sisulu, Xhosa, etc. Um, language 
in the in critical social science is looking at the ways that human life is structured by the ways that we talk about things so that could be in any language so for example patriarchy exists in many languages so whether you're Isisulu or Afrikaans or English the the sort of uh, structures of patriarchy exist in, in each of those ways of, of talking and thinking about the world. They may exist differently and it, it could be worth showing what those differences are. But nonetheless, that the idea is, is that it's, it's through the ways that we talk about the world that we come to, to promote and reproduce ideas that are working at this sort of bigger level. So those kinds of things are things that as you start to read on, on the field, you can start to put theories into different boxes. Is this an interpretive theory? Is this a critical theory? Might this be a, 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 a positivist theory? Usually if, if you're looking at a positivist study or a positivist theory, it comes with some kind of maths or some kind of causal relationship. So this is, this is um, I remember speaking last week about this sort of cause and effect, uh, which underlies a positivist thinking. So the minute that you see things like impact or effect, those kinds of words start to suggest to you that this is a positivist approach. And as you're reading uh, on your topic, or even broadly within your field, which is journalism, you will start to see keywords like that coming up all the time. When people talk about experiences, when they talk about perspectives, when they talk about uh, representation or understandings, they're usually coming at it from a interpretive perspective, that those are keywords that, that often reveal that perspective. And then for critical, um, it's usually it's usually your big um, your big sort of uh, words that are things like ideology, narrative, discourse, uh, language. Those are the kinds of keywords that would come up there. So it would be would be very sort of jargony uh, specific to the kind of approaches that are, are taken in critical research. Somebody who's critical usually makes it really obvious that, um, that they're trying to deconstruct um, an understanding of. And, and so those kinds of really... Uh, substantive words often are uh, that require some kind of like specialist reading are are usually a key that there's some sort of critical thing happening and I wouldn't even be surprised if most researchers who are, who are doing something critical will use the word critical somewhere in there like I, I'm, I'm not gonna let this this slip away like there's, there is definitely a, a, a critical mindset that um, that they're trying to to push that perspective as being you know worthy and and exciting. Um, okay, so those are things that you can start to to think about. But let's let's go to um, back to the beginning, right? So why do we have theory in research? Um, Taryn makes the claim that no, no research exists without theory. Um, all that, I mean, I said it a different way. I said it, that, that if, if the research doesn't, if the, the project doesn't have theory, it's not research. But it's the same, the same sort of point, is that we, um, we need theory in the, the, the work that we're doing. And this is... The, the, the point that I'm coming back to is, is that um, finding our academic voice 
doesn't mean that our research relies only on our experience or opinions. So we're, we're not just taking that perspective that is so important to the ways that we are going to do the project and we're, we're then transforming it into a actual research project. And so having that perspective, having a paradigm helps to shape us into where we're going, but it doesn't it, that in itself doesn't make it research. That, that's just the starting blocks. And so the theoretical f- uh, framework, the theories that we're using, uh, allow us to embed our thinking within established norms and expectations and, uh, and ways of engaging with the world. And this is important because the ways that we started with may not actually fit into uh, certain theories. So we accept that this is the, the, the hill that we started on, but it's not going to be the hill that we end on. Or if it is, if this hill that we start on is where we end up the project, we've done something wrong. Um, that we shouldn't, in fact, be ending up on the hill that we start on. It is very, very unusual. In fact, almost negligible to the point that it almost doesn't exist. That research, good research, can find what it expected to find. Um, so what you, th- what you thought about your problem at the beginning is not what you're going to think about your problem at the end. And that's really very critical Um, because, well, one, because we wouldn't do research if we we had the answers already. It it would just not be be needed. It would be a waste of resources, of time, of energy, of a lot of sleepless nights and stress and and all all the other things that come with research. And so... The point is, the point of research is to, to, to find out things that we don't know and things that we, we are, maybe have a sense that there's a problem, but we don't yet understand what that problem is about, where it comes from, what it means for the, the people that we're going to work with. Um, so we want to be shifted, but also we don't want to reinvent the wheel. So we don't, we don't also want to just say, well, this is the theory or this is the, the problem and, and this, is, this is what the answer is. Like, um, we want to actually grow knowledge. We want to, to take it beyond what it, how it already exists. And of, I mean, this is a, something I've spoken about a lot. The reason for that is because we're working with social problems. Almost all research works with social problems. So to, to have a social problem and to address a social problem means that probably the theories or the understandings that we already have about the world don't work. So the theories that are, are being applied to, to understand this problem for some reason have been unable to address the issue sufficiently enough for that problem to to not exist anymore so perhaps we there's been ground that's been made in understanding the issue that you're looking at but the problem persists and we need to therefore grow what we know about the problem so that we can continue to work and address the social issues that we're looking at and because of those two things, because we're trying to, or rather three things. So because we're addressing a problem, because we're not therefore wanting to reinvent the wheel, because the wheel is broken in a sense, um, that, it, that it gives us some sense of, of what the world is like, but it's not a, a, a complete explanation to help us to solve the social problem we're looking at. And because that means that we're always going to end up somewhere that we don't know where we're going to end up, we need to 
to show how we are taking what has been known about about a particular problem and using it in our research to expand on and grow what we think about this particular topic. So we're constantly moving between reality and theory. And in that way, creating knowledge that is an interplay between what has been known and what can be known about the world and what will be known about the world in your project and what is happening in the real world. And that that cycle of moving between theory and reality is a, a, a constant loop and this is what moves our knowledge forward. And what we don't want to do is just simply use an old theory um, and and kill it by you know just applying it wholesale without any any kind of like reflection on how it relates to reality that we just simply you know we look for this this theory x has three steps we saw all three steps in the world check 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 theory x um you know back in the box you're a good theory and theory x may be a good theory but we need to also be thinking how can we expand on the theory what can we do to 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 link it to reality does it still apply um you know however many years after it was first developed in what ways does it still apply does it apply in our context and so we're we're constantly moving between a, a kind of a soft and a hard approach to theory if that makes sense so the soft approach is that we allow theory to be flexible and to grow and then hard in the sense that, that as we find out things, we um, are confirming and growing an approach that we then support and, uh, and, show, and use to, to have an impact on the world around us. So that kind of, kind of application of theory is very important. And so when you're reading articles on theory or on your topic, um, you, you're probably starting not with theory books. You're probably starting with um, texts that are uh, research uh, projects, the outcome of, of research, that they're journal articles, that they're studies. And... What is unfortunate about most of those kinds of uh, publications is that they will not state, and you probably will never find it, um, unless you're finding some sort of journal article that's reflecting on, so doing sort of a meta-analysis on the application of a certain theoretical framework. But uh, unless you find something like that, you're probably going to find that authors just don't state what theory they're using or what paradigm they're using or what their perspective is on research. And this kind of goes to my point earlier about that we don't just choose a perspective and then work within it. We actually, it just is who we are as researchers. It's just what we do. And sometimes we don't say, I'm a critical social scientist. I say that, but... Um, other critical social scientists probably won't. They'll just say, I do narrative research or I do discursive research or uh, I'm a feminist. Um, they'll say that and it's for you as the reader to then say, okay, well, what does that mean? What are they doing? Um, what perspective are they taking on this? Because, and this is, this is a point I want to re-emphasize, all research has a perspective. All research. So the, the fear that I often get from students, and I, 
I'm, I'm sure I've said this to you before, is that taking a perspective in research shows some kind of bias. All research is biased, if that is true. Um, I, I don't see it as biased, and, I, and other researchers don't see it as biased. They see it as that necessary perspective that allows certain kinds of knowledge to emerge in order to have certain kinds of impacts, certain kinds of ways that the research feeds back into reality. So positivist research, let's say it's medical research, let's say it's developing a vaccine for COVID-19, right? They take a certain perspective on that because they need to, because they want to actually produce a vaccine that is going to be universally um, accessible, affordable, um, that it's actually going to, to do what it needs to do in terms of protecting people from, from uh, getting COVID-19. Um, so they have very specific uh, medical targets that they need to, to meet with that research. Um, other kinds of research have other kinds of impacts. So, so if you're trying to address gender-based violence, you're wanting to work at the level of uh, individual meaning, of, of cultural relevance, of, of how it's playing out and, and how to work with communities and how to uh, address uh, inequalities within society and issues around ideology and language and, and institutional, um, you know, like uh, problems like uh, differences in in employment, etc. Right? You want to be able to to actually work in a different way for a different kind of impact. And so, the articles are going to show you that they're going to show you what their impact is. They're going to show you um, what their perspective is. But they're not going to do it obviously. They're not going to say, I. I use X theory to do X. Well, um, no, they're gonna—they're just gonna do it because they—they, in a sense, live their research in the ways that I've—I've I've spoken about before. And so, when you're reading those articles, you're going to have to look for the clues. You're going to have to look for and think about what is the impact of this research. What is the problem? What is their approach to thinking about the problem? What theory could they be using based off of the, the ways that they've put this research together? Are there clues that I can find in the language or the jargon that they're using? Um, and then, do I agree with it? Um, do I feel, uh, con am I convinced um, that that this is the best way to look at this problem. Maybe, um, you know, they're looking at gender-based violence using a, a survey and, you know, they're asking sort of like questions that just don't seem to really address the key issues that you think exist within that, within that approach. And, and possibly that the, the form of the method, that the survey approach might be a way that you don't think is, is going to ever get at the, the kind of answers you're looking at. All of this is, is going to reveal your perspective and it's going to push you into thinking about some theories over others. So when you think about the other, other ways to think about the findings, what are those other ways? So if, for example, you're thinking that they've taken a social approach to thinking about gender-based violence and that social approach doesn't really address the bigger social, like, um, so it, it focuses more on like collective interactions uh, between people and it doesn't focus on the institutional issues or issues of power or issues of inequality. Um, and therefore, that's a, a perspective that I want to bring to an understanding of this. And what does that mean in terms of then what kinds of theories that I'm going to be using? And am I going to be using something around representation or ideology or feminism? What kinds of, kinds of angles would my theory contribute 
to making sense of this topic. Okay, so I, I spoke about an example of ice cream last time where people like chocolate ice cream. Um, and I'm hoping you remember ex the example because I, w I wanted to see if I, if I say chocolate ice cream sales reflect on the negative views of childhood perpetuated by the media. What theoretical approach might I be using? Uh, so chocolate ice cream sales reflect on the negative views on childhood perpetuated by the media. Yes. Um, you, you're asking the theory or you're asking the paradigm? Well, either. If you could tell me either, that would be great. I think you're right, it's interpretivism, but not for, for those reasons, because I think that this is, um, this is about experiences, right? So this is about the ways that um, social experiences are being shaped by the media. Um, so I think, that, I think that you're right in saying that it's interpretivist. Do, do we have a sense of what kind of theory this might be? Chocolate ice cream sales reflect. Is it not? Okay, I was going to say reflective theory, I'm guessing. By the media. Wouldn't normative theories kick in here? Okay. Normative theories? Uh, I th yes. So I don't think necessarily normative theories, but I think media theories, right? So this is about what the media is doing to create a certain image about childhood. So this, the, at the heart of this is what the media is doing. And so media theories, even, even non-normative theories, but normative theories could be a good example, um, that media theories would be the ways that, it would be, I think, the theory that would be un, uh, probably exist within a study like this. Okay? Can everybody see that? Are there any questions? Okay, I'm going to take it that there are no questions. But you're going to have to do that work. I think that's the point, is, is that, that when you're reading these articles, you're going to have to figure out what theory they're using. You're going to have to think what perspective they're taking, what what are the patterns within each individual article, but also the articles um, as a whole, to think about what is, is the, the sort of common threads that are running through the different ways that people are talking about my topic. Um, so it's for you to really engage with the text the authors are not going to say, they, they, it's very rare that they would say um, this project takes a, a, a theoretical perspective uh, on, on this topic, which is. Um, uh, in fact, in almost no literature I've read has that ever happened. They will just do it. They will just use media theories as if it's, self-evident and you need to to think about why they're doing it like that and then what that means for also how you are performing your theory so when you when you finally come to a, a, set, a place where you know what the theoretical framework is that you're going to use you're going to do the same thing I mean obviously in your in your full literature you will explain what your theoretical formulation is 
and you will do it well. But in the rest of your project, when you talk about your questions, when you talk about your analysis, when you, when you actually do your analysis, what you're not doing is, is the whole way through saying, so because I'm using X perspective, this is what I'm understanding. You just say, this is what I'm understanding. So um, it comes to a sense that that becomes an ingrained part of the project. And while in a full project like you're doing, you will be very explicit about that in certain places, even when you start to present your work and when you start to engage with the, the bigger uh, questions, you're going to be doing that with that consistency we've spoken about before towards this theoretical framework as if it is just some sort of guiding principle to how you do the project. Um, and it just, uh, the more you do research, and, and I hope that uh, some of you consider taking up research further, that um, the, you will... You will see how it becomes just a natural part of how you just do think about the world and engage with the world. And it goes again to that point I made earlier about how this is who you are and not just what you do. But um, it obviously is also in what you do. What you do becomes shaped by the theories that you're, you're working with. Um, so where we should end up is in a place where there's this kind of, I, I mentioned earlier, loop between our theory and between reality. So also between what we are writing and what we are doing. And that loop is what we in research call praxis. Um, so praxis is essentially the link between theory and practice. Um, so it's the ways that theory and the real world interact with each other. And it's very, very important that our research has a strong praxis, that it is neither purely ivory tower, you know, self-congratulatory kind of like just... Um, build and grow theory with no connection to the real world. But neither is it just our own experiences of the world or our own understandings of the world that they, that they, the, the engagement that we have with the world is shaped and organized by theory. And we reflect back on theory in our understanding of the real world. And so those that balance between between theory and and the real world is one that we're constantly sort of sort of teetering on. Sometimes we're 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 doing more theory. Sometimes we're doing more practice. Um, but in the end, we're looking to get a, a really well balanced project that has a, a contribution into both spheres that we're we're doing. Research that is impactful, that is action orientated, that's actually going to change society. And um, we need to always have both, both things in balance in the work. And so when we, we're doing our research, it is important that we, we ask whether we found what we expected. Because if we have, and this is what I said earlier about you know, starting on a hill and, and dying on the, on the same hill, is that if we have found what we expected, the, the likelihood that we're really contributing either to theory or to the real world is out of sync because it just becomes our own expectations. And then are there areas of my findings that cannot be explained by my theoretical perspective? Um, are these findings specific to my context or the problem generally? So are we, do we have new, uh, new things to contribute to the theory, ways to grow the theory based off of what we're seeing in the world? And again, if we don't, that's a problem because 
so much of the ways that theory has been engaged with um, in the sort of like post-colonial world is to just simply die on the hill that you stood on to, um, and and what I mean by that is is that so much of our theory still comes from the West, comes from uh, really long-standing traditions around how knowledge is made and uh, and tested and supported. And so if we in our context are not doing work that grows that knowledge base, we're doing something something wrong. Um, we're really, there's so much room within our context to find out about how the world works here that hasn't been known before, that we really actually are in the infancy of uh, building a knowledge base within our context that is actually uh, properly local and reflects local experiences and understandings. Um, and the, the knowledge that we have that is long-standing is often undervalued. So if we take traditional knowledge, if we take uh, knowledge from certain kinds of communities, those are often dismissed. So we want to reclaim knowledge, but we also want to grow knowledge um, in our context in ways that actually probably are going to throw theory under the bus a little bit. That what, when I say that we're, we need our work to be theoretical, what I'm not saying is let's um, you know, all become uh, great supporters of Western theory. Um, in fact, please let's not. Um, I, I have no, no plans and no um, like attachment to singing Kumbaya with the, the old Western watos, you know, like um, that's not, not the point of theory. The, 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 in fact, the point of theory is to make new knowledge in our context. And so then the, the last question is, whose interests are supported by my research work? And that's actually really, really important. There may be some very specific interests, like if you're working for a, a specific company or you're working for um, uh, within sort of like other kinds of political interests. I know recently I saw what the requirements the requirements are for gatekeeper permission with the city of Durban, and I'm like, wow, um, that's uh, that's really interesting. And maybe I can talk to you about that another time. But um, but there are there are interests. People people are invested in this in the work that you're doing, and sometimes literally invested, i.e., they're putting their dollars towards you doing the work. Um, and other times it's it's less less avert. It's you know it's uh, it's the fact that um, you're writing from a perspective that has certain kinds of power or certain kinds of um, influence, or um, that the perspective that you're writing towards may be good or bad morally. And um, and certainly there's a history in research that uh, research has supported. You know, like uh, absolute atrocities of history. So we think about um, Nazi Germany or apartheid South Africa. We think about how research reinforced the decisions that were being made politically. So there very much is a sense that our, our work isn't neutral and can never be neutral. But what are those interests and are they in the, in the public good? Are they actually going to lead to the kind of um, change addressing the social issues that we're looking at, that they um, are not just, you know, corrupt um, perspectives that either just reveal our own understandings or some other kind of privileged perspective on the world? Um, and, and those are important questions and those are, Theoretical questions. Those are about um, what is our theory doing, and who is it? Who is it allowing to speak? Um, that's really very critical.
And I mean critical in the sense of important, not critical social science. And so we're going to move into a little bit of talking about reading and and why reading is going to assist with thinking about theory. And uh, I don't want to, what I don't want to do is like overemphasize the, the importance of reading. But then I also think I can't overemphasize the importance of reading because Without reading, again, there's a sense that you're not, you're not really able to, to speak to the forefronts of knowledge without actually engaging with what the debates and conversations that are happening at the forefronts of knowledge. So reading is what is, what is, is going to allow you to say anything, to take a position that is an informed position, to understand the theories that you're working against, um, yeah, and just to make claims about the data that you're looking at, right? When you say that, that this data reveals something about the world, you're, you're making that claim in relation to what you then have read. And so you can only make some claims if you've only read some info. Um, whereas if you can position it against like the entire debates that's been made, you've got more of a sense of where you can pinpoint what you're seeing. So it's a bit like we spoke about last week, that the, the mapping the terrain, that that's what your, your literature is going to do. It's going to help you to map the terrain so that when you see something, you can say, this is where it is. This is, the, you know, if you can put a pin in your map and say, this is what this is about. It sits here. It's, it's showing me this. And, um, and so it's really very, very critical that you read, that you read broadly. We've spoken about this before, that you're reading not just on your topic very narrowly, but also reading around the topic, reading around the methods. Uh, really very, very critical. And this is, um, I mean, I'm going to just mention this, but um, I won't go into a lot of detail. I'll, I'll, I'll talk more about this with the master's students, but the, what they call the hermeneutic circle or hermeneutic cycle. And this is the, the relationship between text and the interpretation. So, so when we uh, look at the real world, when we look at, data, when we look at text, we are, because all of our data is fundamentally text, um, we're constantly engaging in a process of interpreting that allows us then to process the text in a new way, and we go into the cycle of, essentially it's the, the theory-reality cycle, that we're, we're, we're internalizing and making sense of what we're seeing, and that then allows us to engage with the text in a certain kind of way. So we're constantly moving forward by engaging with the text. So both the outside and the inside interacting with each other. And that moves our knowledge forward. So reading and, and thinking about what is happening within the reading is starting that process of we are bringing the external in, inside and then using that to think about what we think about the outside. So we're, we're moving forward in this kind of internal, external loop that um, we're engaged in. And why I say that's important is because that point I made earlier about the fact that you will come to to adopt a perspective that becomes who you are, that you're going to shift in what you understand about the world between now and the end of your project, that all of these processes are pushing you forward, that they're going to, to move you outside of your comfort zone, they're going to challenge you, they're going to have 
tough words like hermeneutic cycle, which you, you're going to want to um, have a dictionary alongside you while you're reading. Um, and they, but they're going to ultimately take what you currently know about the world and move it out of your, your comfort zones and into a place where you can start to contribute new understandings of the world um, based on the relationship between reality and what you think. And so how open you are to, to learning from what you're reading, learning from the people that you're going to talk to and work with in your research, that that's, that's what's going to make this a, a strong process. So we talk in research then about, about reading as being one of the critical first skills of research. And it's very important that you read in a different way. That you're reading academic texts in a way that uh, is going to be connected to the purpose that you're using text for. So I'm going to talk to you about what that process is like, but I want to just uh, end this section before I ask uh, any questions about theory, just to say that, that reading is going to change in form to what you, you may have already experienced it as, that reading for pleasure, reading a novel, reading even a newspaper or reading uh, um, like source material for articles that you may be writing is a different form of reading than, than you will have for, for research. So learning to read differently is going to be a skill that you're going to develop and it's going to be one that is going to be key to the the kind of work that you're going to do. So I already have mentioned that theory is not going to be obvious in the articles that you're reading, that um, you're going to maybe not have the same purpose or the same perspective on a topic as the authors that you're reading, and that you're going to have to really interrogate what the perspectives are that authors are using and what they are therefore saying and contributing to your understanding of the topic or the problem that you, you're wanting to address. And so it's really very uh, important that we think about what the skills are that you will need in order to do that kind of work. And that's that's where we're going to move on to next. But I want to just take a take a bit of a break, maybe a tea break, if if everybody wants to to grab a cup of tea, and um, and then we're going to talk about reading. But also, if you have any questions that that we can uh, talk about now. <music> 